Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. And good morning, everyone. I guess now Eastern Mass online, smart speaker. We have a vast audience, Tim, apparently. Um, Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> so um, as Mike mentioned in the uh, intro, this is Pat Harridan from uh, Gallagher Benefits, uh, filling in for Mike, well-deserved day off for him and uh, the rest of his family. Um, the good news is today I have two guests. Normally when I'm in, uh, we talk about employee benefits issues and we'll, we'll get there. Um, but uh, for the first hour, I have uh, Bruni Getchell, who's a uh, counselor who will introduce herself in a minute. And we'll talk about all things stress-related that affect people in their everyday lives and also at work. And then at nine o'clock, I'll be speaking with Bill Alpine, who's the uh, director of the uh, the newly created Mass Division of Family and Medical Leave because in Massachusetts we have a new family and medical leave law that um, is starting uh, over the next uh, few months uh, initially and then it will kick in in, um, in about 18 to 24 months. So um, good show, good news with two guests. I don't have to talk a lot, so that's very good. I can just ask questions. But uh, good morning, Bruni, and welcome. Morning. Um, so, uh, what I thought I would do, uh, because this issue um, of workplace stress or even stress in our daily lives, um, you know, we get asked all the time, uh, what can we do about it? So, Bruni, uh, if you could just first take a minute, introduce yourself to our uh, listeners, who you are, what you do, and then uh, I can ask you some questions around uh, some of the things that you do and what you've uh, done. 
Thanks. First of all, thank you for having me here this morning. My pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, where do I begin? Uh, <laughs> I am a master's level um, health counselor. I am advanced certified hypnotherapist, Mariki master practi- practitioner, life coach, um, a mom, a grandmom. Wow. <laughs> That's probably prepared you more for stress than the <laughs> yes. other two. Yes. Um, and uh, you do this uh, full-time, Bruni? Is this your, um, do you have a, um, a practice that you see patients at? or? I do have a practice um, in Hanover, 51 Mill Street, oh. Suite 8. I know what that is, right next to Hanover Mall. There you go. Or the soon-to-be, right. whatever that's going to be called. And Trader Joe's. Yes. They're going to demolish Hanover Mall and make something better that's there. That's true. Market basket, I heard. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, so, um, what are some, then uh, we'll go into detail a little bit more, but um, they may sound obvious, but what are some of the things that uh, people come to see you for? What are some of the, the issues that you deal with? It's, <coughs> it's so varied. It's, it's uh, kind of difficult to uh, pin it down. But, you know, my clients come in because they're struggling with an issue. Uh, it could be work-related, it could be personal, it could be um, family, and uh, the goal is to help promote their well-being in one way or another. So they can come in for issues uh, related to marriage, um, related to um, work issues with bosses Mm -hmm. related to their own personal issues with their own um, childhood families. I mean, there's such a gamut of uh, issues that people come in for because we live in a world where there are stressors in our lives and uh, it's not so much, you know, I I believe that it's a misconception that you can um, eliminate stress. Uh, There's, I don't think there's such a thing. I Mm -hmm. think from... (laughs) From birth to death, um, most of us are experiencing some level of stress, some less and some more than others. So the goal is to be um, an effective manager of your stress, to manage it in a way that it doesn't interfere with your uh, life functioning, it enhances your, your, your well-being. So in, in your mind, because um, you said this earlier and it, it made sense to me, if we're always, we're, you can't eliminate stress. No best thing to do is control it, understand it, manage and it, manage. and reduce it. Right. It can be reduced. I guess. Right. And um, so, obviously, you know, we all grew up in different generations, and I know this generation of uh, kids probably has different stressors than we do, but uh, is school still sort of where, or I guess where does stress start in someone's life? Hard to say, but you think about, you know, even toddlers trying to figure out their behavior, Mm -hmm. (laughs) how to manage uh, parent and family rules, uh, elementary school, how to sit in a in a classroom and not jump out of your seat and uh, raise your hand when you have to go to the bathroom and it moves on it progresses and obviously it moves on into middle school where there are all kinds of peer related issues social issues and you have to remember that our our brains aren't really fully developed until we'll until we're in our early 20s yeah. so you know kids are just doing their best to figure out who they are and where they fit where they fit in the world, where they fit in their inner circle, and where they fit 
with others outside of their family and, and friends. So I would say, you know, we're all struggling with different aspects of our lives at different times. So middle school, you got the peer issues, social issues, friendships, high school, a lot of pressure from, from parents, college, you know, how am I going to get there? What am I going to do? Academic stress and um, moving on to um, college and or post-graduation um, goals. And then, you know, some of us get married and then what that, you know, the stress that that brings, trying to live harmoniously with someone every day of your life. <laughs> uh, back to the school for a second, Bruni. So um, from a school, obviously uh, in, in, like you said, elementary, middle school, maybe the child doesn't know that they're under stress because mm -hmm. they don't really understand mm -hmm. um, all the things that they're dealing with. Um, do you um, help counsel parents about um, school children? Um, I always think of that because we... Um, you know, everyone in our sort of generation always says, hey, I had a terrible childhood and that's why I'm screwed up now, right? Right. <laughs> so does, is that something that you, you help parents with or is it more the children or, or how can parents, I guess, uh, A, identify it and B, um, help their child? Right. Well, I was a school guidance counselor, adjustment counselor for over 20 years in the Plymouth schools. So I have a lot of experience with... Uh, students having a tough time trying to fit in and parents having a tough time trying to understand why they're having a tough time fitting in. Um, so I do have parents that still come to me in my private practice who are concerned about their, their child's time with uh, social media, their child's um, friendships, uh, concerned about you know, drugs and the opioid crisis and mm -hmm. how can I, what can I do to be proactive? So um, I think personally as a mom, I don't think you're ever really done being a parent, <laughs> no matter how grown your children are. So there's a lot of concern, especially in today's, with today's societal uh, issues, uh, factors. The world is a complex, tough place right now. Mm -hmm. so kids are having a tough time with that. They are. And do you think... Um because the school is sort of a unique where you've got students, but it's also a workplace. You've got the teachers Absolutely, there. Yeah. Um, do you think that in your time in in your prior life as a guidance counselor, even today, that um, you know teachers obviously need to be trained to identify some of these things? But do you think that they could also um, a identify someone who's under maybe more stress than normal, or do do they have the tools and techniques to reduce that stress in the classroom? Do you think? Yeah, I think um, teachers are provided with professional development um, opportunities. Um, I've been teaching graduate courses for teachers on stress reduction, um, just to help teachers manage the stress from the classroom, stress from the parents, and how how to manage their own personal stress because as you know we do our best when we go to work to put our game face on and to put our best version of ourselves forward but when you have stress at home it's difficult for it not to spill spill into your work life so but schools today have all kinds of benefits for teachers they have an employee um uh, benefit counseling benefit for teachers mm -hmm. that they can reach out to when they're having a tough time and um, we also do provide um, graduate courses for teachers. You know, one of the things that in our world of employee benefits, the most um, 
misunderstood and um, lesser known, uh, lesser utilized benefit is the EAP, the Employee Assistance right. Program. Right. And typically, probably the same thing that happens in your practice, uh, people don't uh, know about it until it's too late, mm-hmm. right? It's a crisis and they mm-hmm. have to... Um, they have to sort of call. But for employers and for employees, most employers, uh, even some of the smaller ones uh, have it built into some of their other benefits, but most large employers offer some type of employee assistance Mm -hmm. plan that either when you call, they can do the counseling right there, or Mm -hmm. it's a referral. Mm -hmm. Like they call up and say, I think in our recent survey, the biggest stressors at work uh, were not work-related, and <laughs> they were all, <laughs> yeah. um, they were personal. either, yeah, they were personal, they were either, you know, financial stress, whether it's um, our younger people dealing with, you know, student loans, um, or um, some of our, you know, older um, employees dealing with um, both having their children at home and maybe dealing with elder parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, as you mentioned, there are other family dynamics, whether it's, you know, uh, divorce and those kinds of things. So, yeah, the EAP for those people that work for an employer, that's something to ask about. It's free. It's confidential. Um, and like I said, when we do these for employers, very low cost for the employer, um, but the people don't seem to know it's out there for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if they're just reluctant to to seek help, but I think uh, we're getting there in terms of making it not a stigma to you know, reach out for help because you need help. Um, so once we've passed school <laughs> and we're into that, so um, what are some of the, I guess, you know, again, without being specific, just in general, what are, you listed a bunch of things that you're, you do in your practice, and I know it's different for each person, but what are the things people can do to help reduce um, stress, just in general, as opposed to a specific uh, situation? Uh, to help reduce stress in general, I think, is first to start with an awareness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> an awareness that you're um, having a tough time either focusing, concentrating, sleeping, eating, or just enjoying life. And um, that can be because you're in a stage of life where you have very young children at home who are not sleeping, or you're, you have elderly parents, like you said, that mm-hmm. require a lot of decision-making and care. Uh, but I think, you know, first of all, I think that, unfortunately, therapy has gotten a really bad rap over the years. I think everyone, everyone would benefit from therapy. <laughs> because all therapy is, is really just sitting with someone who is not in your family, who's not going to be subjective, who's not going to... Judgmental. Who's not going to be judgmental, (laughs) who's not going Mm -hmm. to judge you, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, be able to express whatever concerns you have, whatever stressors you have, and to get some kind of guidance. And all of us, all of us can benefit from that. So I have clients who come in for everything like, um, you know, issues with marriage to... um, chronic illness and how to manage how to manage um you know some life surprises because there is something called um ambiguous grief and what that means is that you are moving along through life and all of a sudden things all of a sudden sudden uh, you get a curveball a life curveball like you get in a car accident or you you your experience that you were told you have a, a really grim diagnosis huh. and that creates this grief about oh this wasn't what my life was supposed to be and there are various levels of that. So I have some clients who come in to talk about what's next. How do I, how do I live 
with this new aspect of me. So we have that. Then you have more common, more common issues like weight loss, smoking cessation. Um, that's what I do the hypnosis with. Um, habit control, uh, public speaking, that kind of thing. And on the uh, the weight loss, because that's another one that sort of crosses over into my world of uh, way back when weight loss programs, whether it's, you know, having on-site classes or right now where most employers try to give employees incentives, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's through the pricing of the benefits, meaning, you know, if you you are a smoker or a non-smoker, we can change the prices of certain benefits because obviously the smokers cost more theoretically and then the weight loss thing it's more the participation in the program like uh, you mentioned like walking programs Mm -hmm. because again that relieves stress in addition to the weight loss um but i'm always curious on the um like the hypnotherapy is that um sort of hit or miss or is that hey if people are uh, people commit to it 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 does work and what's sort of like your success with with that i'm always interested in that first of all any client who comes to me for hypnosis is more than likely open to looking at a different way of moving through an issue. Um, so they're open to the fact that they are going to be asked to go to go into a, a very relaxed state and take a look at uh, what their core issues are. So hypnosis very quickly mm. is not, <laughs> it's not magic, but some people say it's magical. <laughs> Well, the results. Could be, right? <laughs> the results mm. are magical, um, because what what we we walk around with a lot of mind chatter, and our conscious oh. minds are constantly talking to us, and you know our our minds, our inner our inner talk is going a mile a minute. Mm-hmm. So we have this inner dialogue going on, and sometimes it's very difficult to have this awareness I spoke about earlier to realize. Well, you know, I'm I really need some help. I really need. I'm stuck here. So in hypnosis, the goal is to help the client get into a state of relaxation where their conscious mind is a little quieter. And when it's quieter, then the subconscious mind, which helps you move forward, which helps you with motivation, can be more open to suggestions. And your level of suggestibility can make all the difference as to whether or not Hypnosis is um, successful, but I would have to say for the clients that have come in to, for smoking cessation and weight loss, it's been I have found a tremendous amount of success hmm. because for the first it's a, it's about a two-hour session. So for the first hour, okay. um, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of a lot of coaching and counseling on the emotional connection between your habit, your issue, why you're doing why you're doing it, it why you're stuck what all the um, the factors are around that and then what is it that you're what is it that you want to achieve so it's about establishing a clarity and then the hypnosis is really just providing the client with um, positive suggestions that they can take on and move on and and begin to adapt so for a smoker it's about trying to work through the fact that it is, um, it's a very, it's a habitual, it's a mm-hmm. habitual thing. It could be very challenging to quit, but looking at the benefits of being a non-smoker. So as a hypnotherapist, you're looking at the positives, even with weight loss, what are the positives of being in a place where you feel healthier, 
where you're not so out of breath, where you feel you have a better self-image. Hmm. And um, so in these, so it's not just a one-time? Typically not. I, okay. I recommend about three sessions. Oh, interesting. And do they, so after this, sort of for these two in particular, again, just because they, they resonate with me a little more, do they... Um, is there continued follow-up after that? So you have to still sort of participate in therapy as opposed to being hypnotized every time? Yes. <laughs> we, yeah, we, I have clients come back for what's called a tune-up. <laughs> so, oh, so. tune-up. Okay. <laughs> I like that. So mm. we, do our, we do our three two-hour sessions, which um, are very, you know, very um, involved. Hmm. Um, and then I, you know, there's a relationship between myself and the client that's established. And then in, you know, a month or so, I call them, ask them to come in. And we do a tune-up. We review where they are, what's going on, have they moved forward, have they had a relapse? And we continue to focus on the goal. Hmm. And do you find, uh, you know, over the course of the time you've been doing this, just uh, maybe it's just me, I have seen less smokers. Yeah. In other words, just people for various reasons, whether it's the cost of them, right. uh, but now we have these alternatives, vaping and all this other right. stuff. Which, which unfortunately... Right, which probably doesn't no. help uh, you um, because it's supposed to be safer and it's probably not. Um, but have you seen, you know, just because there are fewer people or there's more of a willingness on the smoking, weight loss has sort of always been around. Right. Like in other words, people have always been, there was a craze, remember when, you know, Weight Watchers was big oh, and yeah. all these Atkins and all these diets. But now it seems like, you know, smoking is sort of the the one where, because it's in the news a lot about, you know, tobacco and mm -hmm. the, the cost of cigarettes. Is that, would you say that weight loss or smoking, like one is more successful than the other or is more prevalent when you... I have to say weight loss is a m much more common mm. today. Um, and honestly, the, the clients that come in now for smoking are those are much older. Okay. Um, you know, I would say 50 and up who have been smoking for, for years. For years, right. And they're experiencing shame oh. because no one else around them smokes. Oh. <laughs> and they can't smoke in restaurants. They can't smoke any in room. any workplaces. <laughs> so they feel like they're the outliers, like they're yeah. uh, being put out to pasture, sort of. And there's a lot of shame around it. But they're very, very addicted. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's quite the challenge. But... Mm -hmm. We've had success with that as well. Mm -hmm. And um, I, obviously, you're not a medical doctor, but do, do these folks always, um, in concert with you, are they getting so, some sort of medical treatment? Almost and, all oh. of them have spoken to their doctor who recommended they, they get some help. So mm -hmm. it's either through the Shantrax, either through t you know the gum, the nicotine gum, or finding some other way. And many, many Western doctors are recommending hypnosis for oh. smoking. Hmm. And... Um, do you find that on the, the weight loss, that would seem to me, just again from my layman's view, is that the one that sort of needs the most follow-up? Like, is that the one that people would need this tune-up or whatever? Uh, it I, seems like once you're done smoking, you would stop. Uh, no? No, because <laughs> the habit, the voice of the habit can continue. Oh, okay. Uh, just like an alcoholic. Got it. Um, they can stop the behavior, but the disease can it's continue to talk to them. Got yeah. It. So a, a smoker who's given up smoking can still have an urge, can still have some cravings, and they have to learn how to talk to, to that habit. I know that sounds strange, but we no. have to talk to things that talk to us. Makes, makes sense to me. Do they, um, in terms of uh, your patients, so 
this happens uh, on the medical side because that's what I sort of deal with in, uh, in our world with medical claims. Usually it's more than just weight loss and smoking, to your point. Oh, There's something else. Absolutely. There. With every, you know, f you think about the power of food, what it mm -hmm. is a substitute for? Um, loneliness, boredom. Mm -hmm. uh, it helps with procrastination. It's a stress reliever. Great. After the break, Bernie, we will talk a little bit more about some of the other things that you do for your patients. Welcome back. Uh, this is uh, McNamara on Money. And again, this is Pat Harridan from Gallagher Benefits filling in for Mike and family who are off enjoying the nice weather today. Uh, last weekend of summer, I believe, if my dates are correct. Um, but my guest uh, for the first uh, half of our program is uh, Bruni Getchell. She's a uh, master's level counselor. We've been talking a little bit about some of the things about stress and stressors and how people can deal with them. Uh, and there are two other things, Bruni, in your bio that I wanted to talk about a little bit because uh, I don't understand either of them. Uh, okay. <laughs> and I want to make sure our, our listeners do. Um, so I think I know, but uh, you mentioned that also you are life coach or coach mm -hmm. people. Um, and obviously that probably has to deal a little bit with, with stress and all that, but can you just sort of define it and explain a little bit about that? Like what type of person uh, would come to you for coaching? What does that entail? Coaching is is really synonymous with, with counseling. Mm -hmm. And it's really just um, helping someone identify their goals, um, perhaps a little more specifically than in um, talk therapy. In talk therapy, there's, in clinical therapy, there's um, a lot more of the emotional, looking at the emotional core beliefs of what's going on with you. In life coaching, it's it can be more about specific goals, like career goals. Um, so that kind of thing. But I, I do both. And to be honest with you, when I'm speaking with patients, uh, with clients, it's I'm doing both. It's not that I'm one or the other. Hmm. And um, in terms of this, um, do you feel that, um, this gets almost back into the employer side, you know, when uh, most employers in their um, planning or human resources development, uh, typically when we sit down with our employees, we have them list out their goals. Uh -huh. And they're more obviously work-based goals. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to be you know, have this title or these responsibilities or move to a different department, whatever those goals are. And obviously, if they have a goal, we can measure progress and they can achieve them and they sort of feel better when we always are, we're counseled anyway as managers uh, by our HR that the goal should be uh, attainable. Mm -hmm. You know, it shouldn't be something. There's always have stretch goals. Um, but do you think that that uh, some people uh, I've found uh, when everything's written down in front of them and it's sort of like mapped out, they get stressed just because of that. <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, say, oh my God, I need three years to be uh, whatever my next level is. Um, right. How do you find, and I was, uh, as I shared with you earlier, and I'll go through a few more, I was just shocked at the number of things we do at work that causes stress on people. Mm -hmm. And it's just simple things that we do. But what has been your experience? Do you think people with, um, are there certain types of people that don't? Uh, re react well to goals because I know a lot of people who are kind of the happy go lucky people and they they seem very happy and they don't have you know specific uh, measurement goals but what has been your experience just dealing with a, a broad range of uh, people well 
and as far as the relationship with goals, mm-hmm. there are short-term goals and there are long-term goals. So short-term goals could be what's going on with you right now that we can bring some relief to. Mm-hmm. You know, how can how can I help you feel some how can I support you? How can I help you feel better? And what's going on with you at work that um, is a short-term goal that is either something you want to do on your own or something your boss is asking you to do. Mm-hmm. And you look at it from that perspective. What's the short term? And then the long term goals are the goals that you can that are that just kind of uh, connect from those from those other ones. But not everyone long term goals can be um, that's too that's in the future. <laughs> and Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's too difficult to look at those long-term goals. Um, it's more important to look at what do you need to know now? What are the goals that your employer is expecting of you? And what mm-hmm. are the goals that you know you can, you can fulfill, that you can manage? So sometimes that's a lot less, a lot less stressful than taking a look at a long-range plan. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, um, you know, again, just simple things that the person creating the work environment, if you will, create stress without necessarily creating stress. And one of the things, uh, again, I was surprised at all the little things that um, that cause people stress. You don't really think about mm-hmm. either it's, I found it's either a, a policy or a lack of a policy sort of stresses people out. Yeah. So for example, um, I was reading about, you know, uh, start times and end times for work. Mm-hmm. That that's a formal policy. You would expect that as a, as a boss, I would say, hey, that's very clear to me, right? You know, it's nine o'clock, whatever it is, you know, nine o'clock to five o'clock. And that way people don't have to worry about, oh, what time should I come? What time should I leave? But that could cause stress to people who don't react well to either that rigidity or, you know, have to be at uh, somewhere else at 515, that kind right. of thing. So it's it just amazing to me that you know, either the the lack of a policy or a policy around something at work could just create stress. Absolutely. But the reason it would create stress is that it's triggering something within each employee. Mm -hmm. And each employee has their own personality that they bring to the workforce. Mm -hmm. So there are some people, as you know, are morning people. So (laughs) if you you start early, they're thrilled because they Mm -hmm. rather start early and and, and end earlier than start later and end later. But you you think about the workforce, and we thought about this, we talk about this a lot at school, Mm -hmm. that teachers have personalities, employees have personalities, we all have needs, wants, and desires, and how we respond to policies at work is all a matter of basically who you are and how you interact with the world around you. So mm-hmm. some people tend to be very rigid and a bit OCD-ish, and I use that <laughs> very mm-hmm. lightly, yep. but you know, t- you know, need to have things done a certain way and uh, very, very clear, very organized and very cataloged. And then you have others that are kind of fly by the seat of their pants. And I've seen that with teachers. I've seen that with administrators. I've seen that with employers, employees. I mean, we're all just unique individuals, you know, coming to work, mm-hmm. <laughs> doing our best. Right, because oh. we all may do the same thing or have the same. But we um, all, yeah. We have different. We all may have, like, for your example, in the teachers, all the teachers could have a similar degree or educational background, but their family backgrounds are vastly absolutely different. Absolutely. Um, and one of the other things that we found, at least in the workplace, it's probably true in schools as well, is just, and I don't know if there's an easy answer to this, the um, sort of 
admitting that you do have stress and getting help. Mm -hmm. There used to be a stigma attached to doing that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, on the substance abuse side, there's a Mm -hmm. different level. But just in general, saying, hey, I I need help. Mm -hmm. Uh, And how do you sort of, uh, obviously, if people are calling you, they've already made that decision. But is there any way to sort of counsel people or have people identify when you think someone needs help or how can you get them help? Uh, Are there any sort of things that uh, people could look for, I guess? Well, as I as I said earlier, um, I think therapy has gotten a bad rap, yep. and it is very taboo and and um, stigmatized. And if you tell someone you're going to therapy, I would say ninety percent of people feel shame yeah. because they feel that they should be able to manage and handle their own issues. Um, but if someone calls me, it's obviously they've already made that step that they've already decided that they need some some kind of support, and I think. One of the most important things a clinician can do, any kind of therapist, is to let someone know, hey, good news, we can work with this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you're not the only one in the world that's had this issue. And there are various ways we can we can work with you and help you move forward. So it's always about being positive with someone, not having someone call in and you say, ah, oh, right. <laughs> you got a lot of stuff going. I don't know if I can help you, you right. know. No, and that, and that, and the other thing that usually with, um, again, maybe not so much anymore, uh, was the whole privacy thing. Right. There was the initial, Hip-hop. you know, mm-hmm. right, and you know, again, uh, this is where again where it crosses over to us, where, you know, where we have to count the HR can't really ask, you know, those types of yeah. questions if someone needs help or, and we'll get to it at nine o'clock when someone needs leave for something. Yep. it's very regulated as to what you can ask for it's sort of you know uh, so again i think that was done to protect people but it may have inadvertently caused another barrier for people to to get help some in some cases because hipaa is the most i always say it's the most it's the most quoted law for the wrong reasons like Mm -hmm. everything says i can't talk to you because the hipaa is never correct you know (laughs) but um the, one of the other things I want to ask you about, because I think I know, but I don't know, is Reiki. Yeah. Now, uh, give me a little bit about, A, what that is, what does it help, and how does that uh, fit into your practice? All right. I want to explain it in a way that doesn't come <laughs> across like it's voodoo. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's what some people think when, okay. they, when they hear it. Mm. But Reiki is really just another modality, another way to help with some imbalance. Okay. Mm-hmm. Talk therapy. We're gonna we're gonna talk about it. It's a little. It's more clinical, and we're gonna try to address emotional and core beliefs through communication, through verbal communication. Okay. With Reiki, it is a hands-on ancient healing method that works with the flow of energy. So, mm. we are energetic beings, and <laughs> when there is trauma any kind of issue, whether it's low-level benign stress or very significant trauma, our, and the energy in our body can constrict. So you can get chest pains, you can have a lot of sore throats, you could have shoulder pain, neck aches, back aches, mm-hmm. that may or may not have an organic connection because okay. it's, the, it's the energy in the body that's constricting, that's tightening up. So non-medical, more. So it could be not, yeah, non-medical. non-medical although yeah. I have had clients come in for, sh- you know, organic biological shoulder issues because, okay. regardless of whether it's emotional or physiological, there's still en- the energy can still get con- constricted. Just think about a garden hose that has a, uh, a kink in it. Okay. The water can't flow through, so the energy could have a tough time. Got so it. Reiki mm-hmm. is basically just the practitioner 
either putting their hands directly on a client or have holding their hands over the client and it's moving energy and we do this all the time it's called compassionate touch if someone you know is crying you go up to them you rub their shoulder you may rub their back you're basically just making a compassionate touch with someone that's helping move some energy Um, so Reiki is just a little more it's a little more structured a little more clear Mm -hmm. and um, it's an hour (laughs) and often Mm -hmm. what happens is is when the the client is relaxed, they might start to feel sensation, they might actually feel the energy moving, and that that might trigger an emotional response. They may cry, they may think about a particular situation that's keeping them in a place where they feel they're stuck huh. um, or need, need more help. So Reiki can be for pure relaxation, just to move energy, or Reiki could be to work specifically with a presenting issue you come in that's that's a stressor. Mm-hmm. Um, but Reiki is like, like acupuncture, chiropractic, okay. m- a massage therapy. It's all about moving what's inside the body as well as external. Interesting. And how long has Reiki been around? Is that like an ancient thing? It's, oh, yeah. It's okay. an ancient healing method way before my time. Okay. <laughs> but mm-hmm. Reiki it has been uh, part of the New Age holistic, um, you know, modality mm-hmm. of it, basically looking at a client from various perspectives, not just one perspective. So a holistic counselor like myself could recommend to a client, okay, you might want to go see a chiropractor for that, or you might want to go see an acupuncturist for that. Um, So it's about looking at the whole person. And Reiki is just one other modality that works with energy. Interesting. Um, just for people listening, uh, I'm talking with um, Bernie Getchell. She is a uh, master's level counselor. We're talking about well-being uh, for employees, but for people too, because um, I usually try and tie it back to employers. And uh, Bernie, I'm going to have you give your info now because when we run up against the break, I'm going to get. We're going to be talking, and I, I want to make sure I get it in. Um, so, Bernie, um, you have a practice. Tell people um, where it is. Uh, how to get in touch with you and if you have a website. Okay. So I have a practice at Harmony Wellness in Hanover, Mass, 51 Mill Street, Suite 8. Mm. You can call me directly or work th- or go through my website. So my number is 339-832-4740. Website is www.brunigetchell.com. And you can follow me on Instagram, oh. Wellness Therapy. Uh, one more time on your phone number and website because it's the radio. That's okay. what I've been told. Okay. 339 832 And website is com. And you can email me through my website as well. Great. I just wanted to do that now. We've got uh, 10 minutes left, but I wanted to make sure I got that okay. in. Yeah. Just because with the new, and because one of the things I want to talk about now is, and I'm curious, more curious now, as I mentioned, one of the things that we're dealing with with our employer clients now is the opioid crisis, mm-hmm. which is a little different than like smoking cessation, but it's still an addictive right. behavior. And I was just wondering, is is the opioid addiction uh, just forgetting sort of the the uh, genesis of it, but more the 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 reality of it, is that something that can be treated? 
through the methods that you've mentioned or is that more of a medical thing or is that something that you can do it's because it's an addictive behavior mm-hmm. is that something that you can help with or, or how is what's been your experience with the the opioids i think that's a big topic for us here on the south shore right i think um if someone came to me with an opioid addiction i would um encourage them to be um to be seeing a doctor to be mm-hmm. seeing a professional substance abuse clinician in addition to myself the opioid opioid addiction any kind of drug addiction is a huge huge complex um habit and it can change brain chemistry it can change things organically so that your ability to reason and be rational um is significantly affected uh so i would not treat someone with any kind of significant drug addiction without having a team Mm -hmm. to be part of a team so a primary care a substance abuse uh professional that's that i feel like the client would not get enough with just one i think they would benefit from having a team Mm-hmm. And so smoking, surely that's an addictive behavior, but it doesn't affect your brain chemistry to the extent that opioids do. Mm-hmm. And how about the sort of the, the I guess the uh, symptomatic alcoholism maybe, like how about the family members of the addict? Is that something that, because obviously that creates stress yeah. at a different level because it's not coming from them, it's right. coming from their environment. And that's and and of course I would be able to sit and be with them and help them under, try to understand the complexities of the addiction. And uh, for a while, a number of years ago, I worked with Al-Anon, so mm-hmm. I worked with the significant others of the alcoholic yeah. and got to see firsthand what the, the struggles in that in their area are like. So yes, af- absolutely working with personal the the actual patient and then their their significant others their family yeah but the opioid addiction is not something that like hypnosis is going to cure right no and Mm -hmm. someone else might say that Mm -hmm. i disagree Mm -hmm. i think it's just too complex too intricate it's just too much i think with help with support in other areas absolutely Hmm. and um what are some of the other um because i'm still fascinated by this stress is everywhere and we can't get rid- can't get rid of it um but what are some of the other like life stressors obviously you mentioned you know um uh people uh you know going the adolescents going through school i mean obviously i have you know my children have gone through school they're in you know a couple of them are in college now and i, and I sort of understand that mm-hmm. uh from there perspective um it's hard to reduce yeah, right. <laughs> the stress because they sometimes they're far away and it makes it probably more difficult but after that sort of what are the next steps for you know i guess the top three or four or whatever stressors given that everyone's different but what are sort of the life events that cause um you know stress in people's lives i guess um let me start first by saying that stress is in the eye of the beholder (laughs) okay so stress is a response or a reaction to a situation Hmm. an event a relationship or some aspect of life that you don't either have control over or there's a deadline about it, there's a time management issue or something that's chronic. Mm -hmm. So everyone responds differently to different kinds of stress. Um, So there are some people who can go through um, 
a divorce and manage it relatively well because they have a different perspective on it. They, their personality is what it is. So really the way you manage and handle stress is all about you. Mm-hmm. It's all about how you handle it. In general, most of us collectively can say money can bring a lot of stress, financial <laughs> issues, stress, um, marital issues, stress, um, young families can bring you stress, uh, job, you know, stress in the workforce. It's any kind of situation in which you might not feel you have 100% control over. Right. That's stress. So, so how you manage it gives you the control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I've seen it more. Uh, I, you mentioned that was a good one, sort of the marital thing. Some people are you know, divorce is a non-event or even like, you know, milestone things, births, you know, children graduating. Um, One of the things it seems though it's universal, whether it's um, uh, sudden or uh, sort of expected at end of life is death. Um, Death seems to be a something that has a lot of emotion and stress um, associated with it. Um, Obviously, people uh, can't prepare for that, right. but are there things that you know you've talked to people about? You know, obviously we all have elderly parents. We know they're not going to live forever. Um, that's probably easier than a sudden death of like a, a child or mm-hmm. a or a you know a, a mid uh, midlife person. But what what are some of the things people can do about um, lessening, I guess, the impact of the grief uh, with from a death? If well, um, first of all, let's start let's start with this. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all trying to make sense of death. Mm-hmm. All of us. So we look. Some of us look at it from a religious perspective. Mm-hmm. Some of us look at it from an age perspective. Um, and grief um, is not linear. So the way we grieve is based on who you are, your life perspectives, your life um, experiences, and basically how you cope. And there are there's death that can be maybe a little more dramatic and tragic, like your child or someone who dies very young. But even if your grandmother dies who's 92, loss is loss. Mm -hmm. And the way we respond to it is based on your relationship with that person, who you are, how you manage change in life, and your meaning of death. Mm. And um, one of the things that that from him one of the things that happens uh, on the employer side is obviously one of the, after like the medical benefit, another benefit that most people offer is like life insurance. Yeah. Uh, and part of that, most good life insurance companies offer a counseling benefit, which you wouldn't think of. Hmm. Um, but it's interesting. It's not so much on dealing with the death. Mm-hmm. It's more about okay, what do you now do? Because with life insurance, you're assuming you're getting some money. Right. It's how to plan that money, how to you know, right. make it last, or just some financial planning. Right. Because in our, in our surveys, as I mentioned, the biggest stressor for people is financial, whether mm-hmm. it's, like I said, it's you know, the younger people with student loans or you know, mid-level people with college, you know, the, <laughs> the reverse, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. paying for college. And then obviously, the, you know, then it's retirement. Um, a big stress around, right. you know, is my retirement going to be there? How do I pay for retirement? What am I going to do? Some right. people, that was the other thing I was going to ask you. Do, do some people, uh, do people come to you saying either, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about retiring or I've got to retire. Um, that's causing, you would think it wouldn't, but it's going to cause me stress yep. because I don't know what I'm going to do every day. Yep. Does that, and what sort of, I guess, techniques do you have around that, if any? 
Um, I can't say I've had too many clients come to me <laughs> about that. I think there are so many um, specialists out there helping helping people with retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, you got all kinds of experienced um, uh, workers at the Council of Aging, and oh, yeah. mm-hmm. awesome. Often at work, there are um, opportunities where you could see um, someone. Uh, from with from the employee benefits um, mm-hmm. aspect to talk about retirement and, and all of that. So I would be able to certainly talk to someone about the emotional connection, <laughs> the emotional mm-hmm. um, issues with retirement, but I really don't have any experience with how much money you should have. Right. I'm no That's Su- Mike's job. Yeah, <laughs> I'm no Susie Orman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's funny, you know, because again, one of the things that we do is as even though we're we're helping the employers with their employee benefits, they always ask us to be um, like you know counselors. You know, like yeah. you know they want us to go in and explain to you know employee X Y Z that hey, it's okay to retire. You yeah. know, you're going to have these benefits and you're going to have this retirement, and it's difficult because I think there's like you said there's the financial aspect of retirement, then there's the emotional, and some of them. The good news, bad news is we don't know about their, um, we don't know anything about their family. Mm-hmm. So we don't know if they're, uh, if they have support at home. Like if, you know, if this person's spouse has died, right. they may not have anyone at home and they don't want to retire. Right. Um, so I think, I think the, the things that I took away anyway are, uh, there's always going to be stress. Yeah. You can only reduce it. But the, the other key thing, I, I think people react to stress differently. So to your point, something, and I've done this now for a while, being a sort of a a manager of people, things that I don't think are a big deal can be a big deal to someone else. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, right, exactly. And and some people don't, and again, that's more from our our internal, more and more people actually in the um, human resources uh, area are more, their backgrounds are more like you, more like organizational, well-being, like in other mm-hmm. words, mm-hmm. you can't just you know change the work hours from nine o'clock to eight thirty because people have schedules and daycare. Right. So again, it's going right. to cause people stress. And like I said, I was just I was reading all this stuff in front of me about all the things that you know stress people out at work, deadlines, you know mm-hmm. things that you wouldn't necessarily think of. Mm-hmm. But like I said, deadlines, and then one of the things, at least here in the Northeast, that always stresses people out is snow days, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or I guess you probably deal with it too. The weather, I think, affects yeah. people, right? You know, in other words, they go from different seasons. They feel right. differently. Right. You know, the fact that, you know, the, the in the winter it gets dark at, right. you know, earlier right. and all Work that. Work evaluations. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. And just, you know, people react very differently. They need either that, that level of comfort or they want the structure. And like I said, some people, like you said, if they're mm-hmm. a little bit more on the OCD level, they want a lot of structure, right. but that's not for everyone. No. Um, so we got two minutes left, Bruni. I want to do your do your uh, stuff again. We have time. I want you to tell us where you are and read your uh, phone number and website again. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Bruni mm-hmm. Getchell at 51 Mill Street, Suite 8 in Hanover. It's called Harmony Wellness. You can find me on my website, uh, brunigetchell.com. Phone number is 339-832-4740. And you can follow me on Instagram, Wellness Therapy. And Bruni is B-R-U-N-N-I-E? Correct. See? (laughs) 
<laughs> See, I spelt it differently on my sheet, but I know it's that way. And and Bernie, like I said, you've you've been very helpful in um, with people in terms of um, stress relief. Um, all the things that you do um, are listed on your website. Um, but I want to thank you for coming in. You've uh, gave us a few good tips. Uh, so I guess people main messages the stress in your life you can only reduce it you can't eliminate it and everyone responds to stress differently that's what i got on and you, yeah <laughs> all right thank you very much Bernie, thank you and for having we'll me. be back after the break with a discussion of the mass paid family leave